You're listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. What's good, you guys? Hope that you are doing well. This week, we are continuing our series, Higher Plans, these ideas, concepts, orchestrations by God, the ways that he wants to work in us, but also ways that he wants to work with us, the higher plans that God has for those of us um, who surrendered our lives to him the last couple of weeks. Mikey Wall has held down the four and has brought two incredible messages. Unfortunately, we missed one two weeks ago, but last week's message is up on the podcast. If you missed that, I would highly encourage you to go back and listen to last week's message. This week, we are going to be talking about empowerment. And whether we grew up in the church or not, the word empowerment holds meaning. It has foundational value for us. And for some of us, it may be social when we think about the word empowerment. It may be spiritual when we think about the word empowerment, or it might be both when we think about it. Um, but what, whatever we think about, it has this foundational value that, that we assign to the word empowerment. It means something to us. But for us, we're going to talk about the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the idea that we get to walk in tandem with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus, as we pursue the hearts and minds of people, that we would understand that, that we are not alone as we go and tell people about the love and the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus. And the first scripture that I want to look at is found in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 4, verse 14. It's just to set a little bit of context here. This is right after Jesus is baptized and goes to the wilderness and he's tempted by the devil for 40 days in the wilderness. And this this is right after that. Luke chapter 4, verse 14, it says this, Then Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the entire vicinity. Quickly, it's important that we see the phrase in the Spirit. As we have a conversation about being empowered, we must see that Jesus moved in the Spirit, just like we get the opportunity to do. The passage goes on to say this in verses 16 through 20. It says, Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. As usual, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim release to the captive, excuse me, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He then rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. All the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. It's really important that we look at this and we understand that at this point, Jesus is 30 years old, that he grew up in Nazareth, that people knew who he was. And this is his moment of saying, hey, as per usual, I'm standing up and I'm reading this, but I'm making a declaration today. I am here to fulfill this prophecy. He has sent me. He has anointed me. And I'm going to do all of these things. So the first sermon point is this, is that Jesus was empowered. Jesus was empowered. And I fully understand that that statement is one of the most obvious sermon points in the history of all sermons, but it is key that we be reminded of that. And why? Why is it key that we are reminded of that? Because as followers of Jesus, we have been empowered too. And not just empowered, but we've been empowered to do even greater things. The Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 12 through 17. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. And for us, it's under, under it's important for us to understand that Jesus is also speaking to us. Jesus says, truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me and also the works that I do, 
and he will do, excuse me, I'm going to start over. Truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And he will do even greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and will be with you. The spirit of truth. The spirit of truth will be with you. This is the Holy Spirit that Jesus is talking about. So if Jesus is empowered, it's important that we understand the second point is that we have been empowered as well. Unfortunately, this is where one of the greatest human truths often stops in our minds. We get so excited that God loves us, cares for us, is with us, which are all true. We nod our heads and and we hear those truths and we're like, yes, I believe those things to be true. Fantastic. And we nod our heads also when people say, well, we have access to the Holy Spirit. We're like, yeah, we do. The problem is that then we don't really ever access the Holy Spirit. There's so many of us find ourselves living our lives on our own, trying to just rough it through life instead of accessing this Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, this counselor that Jesus says is going to fall upon us and is going to be with us that we have access to. And yet so often we look at self-help books or Instagram stories or whatever for, for whatever answer it is that we're looking for instead of using the access to the Holy Spirit that we have. See, often we see the our access to the Holy Spirit is simply being prayer, that, that we would just throw prayers to the Holy Spirit and hope things that happens. Well, 100%, we have access to Jesus, to God, through the Holy Spirit. Like It's, it's unlike anything before Jesus. Like he, he opened a door that was, that was not open to us. 1,000% that is true. But it's so much more than that. We cannot look at the blessing of empowerment as something that just makes us feel empowered, but we have to be reminded that we have been empowered with a purpose. And that purpose means that there's a responsibility attached to knowing Jesus. It's not just about knowing Jesus. It's about making Jesus known. And if we agree that Jesus was empowered and in turn we receive the same empowerment, the question is, what are we called to do? And the answer is laid out in the Gospel of Luke that we already read. We are empowered to preach the good news, to proclaim release to the captives, sight to the blind, freedom to the oppressed. And I think it's really easy in our Western culture to look at some of those things and we're like, well, some of those things are miracles, and miracles are just reserved for the Bible. No, that is not true. There are miracles that are happening all over our world every single day. The Holy Spirit is moving and is alive and active But it is also important that we read that and we don't see sight to the blind as just, okay, somebody who physically can't see, my job is to bring sight to them. Maybe, maybe it is. But also, I think we all understand that there are times in our lives where we are blinded and we need somebody to open our eyes to what God is doing and vice versa. There are people in our lives that need truth spoken into their lives so they can see how God is moving and working in our world and in their lives. That's sight to the blind, freedom to the oppressed. Yes, Physical slavery, what can we do to get people out of actual human slavery, human trafficking, all those things? That should be a part of our mission is to free people tangibly, physically. But also, it's also our job to help people find freedom from all of the things that are keeping them captive. Addiction, broken relationships, cyclical behavior, all of those things that we, empowered by Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, would say, No, I'm going to preach the good news. I'm going to proclaim release to people who are held in captivity. I'm going to bring sight to the blind. I'm going to bring freedom to the oppressed, not because of who I am, but because of who 
Jesus is. You see, we aren't called to camp in the assurance of our own eternity, but we're called to go and pursue the eternity of others. Life cannot be about us. This life cannot just be about you and me. It has to be about others. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses. See, so Jesus was empowered, we have been empowered, but we've been empowered to be Christ's witnesses. That is our purpose. That statement should carry weight when we hear it. Living a life surrendered to Jesus should create in us an eternal urgency. But an empowered spirit, a surrendered heart, that's a a servant spirit. That's a servant heart. That's what it should create in us. So how does that show up? How does that show up practically in our lives? I think there are many ways, but here's three things. There are three ways that I think that it shows up in the words that we speak. There are so many passages through scripture that talk about the words that we use. If we just look even at the, at the book of Proverbs, there are so many times that the author talks about the power of words. Rapid fire, four, four uh, Proverbs found in Proverbs chapter, chapter 11, 15, 16, 18. Um, you can find those um, on your own. Proverbs 11, 9, 15, 4, 16, 24, 18, 21. Here's what they say. With his mouth, the ungodly destroys his neighbor, but through the knowledge, the righteous are rescued. The tongue that heals is a tree of life, but a devious tongue breaks the spirit. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the taste and health to the body. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Those are four passages that talk about the power of words. We've probably all heard the phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And we all know that that's completely false. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can often hurt me. The words that I've spoken have often hurt others. We have to understand the power in the words that we speak. We have the power to bring life. We have the power to tear down. We have the power to lift up. We have the power to destroy. And people have often hurt us with the words that they've spoken to. So we have to, to sit in the truth that the words that we speak are incredibly powerful, so we should be so careful with the words that we speak to others. But it's not just about bringing life, it's about bringing Jesus. Mark chapter 16, verse 15, this is uh, Mark's account of the Great Commission. Jesus says to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Preach the good news to all creation. When we live as empowered followers of Jesus, we are called to not hold the good news of Jesus, the truth of Jesus, the forgiveness of Jesus, close to the vest. It's for everyone. It is for everyone. Following Jesus is not a VIP club. It's about everyone. Jesus came and died for you and me and every single other person on earth. And when we think about the fact that, that the good news of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus, isn't something that we hold close to our chest, we have to ask, like, does that scare us a little bit? I think it should. I think it should carry weight. And I, I totally understand. But I think we also have to understand that Jesus gives us assurances through, through himself and also through, through the disciples. There are scriptures all over that, that give us assurances of why we will be able to do just that, to tell people the good news of Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13. We also speak these things, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual things as spiritual people. Luke chapter 12, verse 12. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at the very hour what must be said. 
The empowerment that we are given means that we are never alone. So when you're thinking about your family member or your friend or that stranger who's, who's interested in what you're all about, it's okay to feel nervous because feeling nervous means you understand the weight and the importance of what it means to tell someone about the love of Jesus. But also, you do not have to be the most eloquent speaker. You do not have to be the most theologically sound. You don't have to be able to all of those things. You can trust that through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, you will be able to step into relationship with people in grace and love and truth and say, this is what Jesus does. This is what he's done for my life. This is what I think he can do for your life. And let me tell you about the ways that he has changed everything about my life. We can trust that the Holy Spirit will teach us at the very hour what must be said. So we are witnesses through words that we speak. And next, we are witnesses through actions that we take. People are watching. If you claim to follow Jesus, people are watching even closer, more today than ever before. I think we have to be aware of the fact that our actions are, are a very large part of what we communicate to the watching world. Uh, a couple weekends ago, I got the opportunity just to throw disc golf, a disc golf tournament with Jake. And um, if you're not in Billings, Jake is our worship uh, leader and a good friend. And um, what, what happens is that you just randomly get put in these different groups of people to, to throw these rounds. And we spent a nine-hour day throwing 36 holes of disc golf and um, I get to do it with guys that I've never met in my life. And so we're having conversations. I'm super extroverted. I love asking questions. I never showed up. The, the guys probably just hated me um, because of how much I talked and how much I wanted to know about their lives. But I was asking about what they did and if they had kids, if they're married, like all of these things. And it took until the 17th hole for them to ask me, well, what do you do? <laughs> and, you know, this is like that little tinge in me where I'm like, oh, okay, like this guy's a contractor. This guy is, is a sales associate. Oh, I just want to be like, I work for a nonprofit. Um, but I was like, I'm actually a pastor. And the guy says, this is a edited version. No way. Um, I would have never pegged you as a pastor. And I still don't know to this day if that was like a compliment, like if I should be like, sweet, like that's good. Or is that like bad? Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm still on the fence with like, oh yeah, I totally would assume that you were a pastor. Or maybe I, I would hope that he would say, I would totally assume that you were a follower of Jesus because of the way that you act and the way that you speak. But anyway, that's, that's beside the point. From those, from then on, the last two holes that we throw the first round here, they just started to, you could, I could just tell they were watching me differently. But what really opened my eyes and reminded me of this truth that people are watching the way that we act is that the second round I get put in a different group of guys, but one of them is friends with one of the guys that was in the first group. I literally step up to the first tee box and the guy goes, so you're a pastor, huh? That's the first thing he says to me. And I'm like, I am. And then all the other guys look at me and they're like, oh, really? And so for those 18 holes, I had to be like really diligent about the way that I spoke, the way that I acted, the way that I reacted to playing a terrible round, all of those different things. What was frustrating is I was looking at my own actions as like, why would I, why would I be aware of how I'm acting only because they all of a sudden know that I'm a vocational minister of the gospel? Would I do that if they didn't know? And so it's a question that we have to ask ourselves is, would people know the love that we have for Jesus and the love that we have for others through the words that we speak, but also through the actions that we take? And hear me, I am not saying to do things so that, so that people see you doing good. Jesus was clear that that was to be avoided after, at all costs. He went after the religious people all the time. He said, well, that's posturing. Don't just pray out loud so that people see you praying. Don't just do good work so people see you doing good works. Like, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Like, that is clear, <coughs> excuse me, through scripture. But Jesus set a precedent. That, that he was going to live a life of servanthood, 
and that he was going to make sure that when people watched his life, they saw somebody who served others and loved others. Mark chapter 10, verse 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Would we be people who are willing to ransom our lives so that other people know the love of Jesus through the words that we speak and the actions that we take? If we want to model ourselves after Jesus, we have to become servant-hearted and we have to ask ourselves, am I willing to be generous with my time? Am I willing to be generous with my personhood so that people know the love of Jesus? So words that we speak, actions that we take, and then let's answer this, this question. What do we do for others when nobody is watching? What do we do for others when nobody's watching? We cannot be people who are looking for recognition. That That is hard to do because our humanity drives us towards this desire to be recognized and elevated. But, but do we give of ourselves when there's nothing in it for us? Do we give of ourselves when there's nothing in it for us? But Because Jesus has called us to live a way that is selfless, not selfish. Are we people who are living selfless lives? One of the biggest things that we can do as empowered followers of Jesus is to act on the behalf of other people, to be advocates for other people. One of the biggest ways that we can be empowered advocates for others is to pray, but not not just people who pray for ourselves, but people who intercess for others. Romans chapter 8, verse 26, in the same way the Spirit also helps us in our weakness because we do not know what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. The Spirit himself intercedes for us. As we have someone who is interceding on our behalf, we should be doing the same for others. Are we interceding on the behalf of other people? But here's here's the hard part. Do you know what that requires? For us to actually get to know the people that are around us and actually ask, how can I be praying for you? Or actually know somebody so well that I know how I can be praying for you. Because we're, we're walking through trauma together right now in real time. I know what I can be praying for you. That takes intentional relationship. Now, there's, there's going to be obvious things that we can pray for all the time. Something in our world right now is something like Ukraine. Something locally that's happening in Montana right now is these unbelievable floods that are just taking out homes and then they're flooding cities and they're closing down national parks and eroding complete highways. Like it's just, it's crazy. So we know we can pray for those things and we will do that. And we will intercess on the behalf of people that we've never met in our life. But also there is intercessing to be had in our relationships with people that we do know that, that, that we would know people so well that we would know how to step before the throne of God in, in front of our Father and we would say, Lord, I'm not just going to pray for me in my circumstances, but Lord, I want to lift up and elevate the circumstances and the needs of the people around me. What if we actually asked others what we could be praying for for them? What if we actually took the time to look somebody in the eye and said, I love you and I want to know, how can I intercede for you? That, that I, have, I have been empowered to not just pray for myself, but be, but be praying for you, to contend for you. And I want to know how I can do that for you. What if we did that on a regular basis? So the words that we speak, the actions that we take, and the things that we do when nobody is watching. I want to close with three quick questions. And, and it goes right along with that. If you have the capacity to do this, wherever you are, I, I would ask you to maybe bow your head, close your eyes, and just take these 15 seconds um, to just, to just maybe do a little bit of introspection. The first question would be this. Do the words that I speak communicate the love of Jesus? Do the words that I speak communicate the love of Jesus? Secondly, do the actions that I take communicate the love of Jesus? Do the actions that I take communicate the love of Jesus? And thirdly, maybe most importantly is this. Would I be willing to be obedient to the call of Christ on my life even if nobody ever recognized me for doing it.
Are we willing to be obedient to the call of Christ on our lives, even if nobody ever recognizes us for doing it? Would we be people who speak words of life, speak words of love? Would we be people who our actions communicate the love of Jesus? And would we be people who are willing to be obedient to the call that Christ has placed on each one of our lives, even if nobody pats us on the back for doing it? Thank you for listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. If you are in the Billings area, we would love to see you at our in-person gatherings on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. If you're unable to attend in person, there are always ways to engage online. Follow along through Instagram at faithchapel.ya or find our ministry page at faithchapel.cc. You are loved.